praise God. Who's ready for the word this morning? You guys are ready? Go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, no prayer meeting uh, tomorrow night. It's Memorial Day. You guys enjoy that. And as you're turning there, I just want to say that this is the weekend that we celebrate Veterans Day. We celebrate those who have ever served in our great military. And I see a brother right back there, Carl Ritchie. Why don't you stand up and just wave at everybody? I just got you. Brother, we're so appreciative of your service and, and uh, what you do for our country. Brother, it's good to see you home safe. I know it's probably obviously only for a few days, but we just want to tell you we love you and we've been praying for you, bud. So we appreciate you. Let's give him another little hand clap of praise. Thank the Lord for uh, men, who have an- men and women who have answered that call. Amen. And this is the weekend where we understand that without their sacrifice, we wouldn't live in the freedom that we do. And so I want you to enjoy this weekend and every hot dog you eat and hamburger you grill or where you go swimming or whatever it is you do, remember that somebody else paid the price for us to be able to enjoy the freedoms that we do. And we always honor and remember that. So I decided to finish up and talk about Samson for a few minutes. And then I'm going to jump into 2 Timothy because last week we talked about Samson had a moral compass and he had some absolutes in his life that he was given to. So in other words, he had a framework to his life given before he was ever even born. And what we see happen in Samson's life, much like we do, right? We do the same thing. We tend to forget about what God has said in his word or through our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we begin to veer off course And I mentioned it last week, and before we jump into our scripture today, is it's amazing to me that in Samson's life, you only see him pray two times throughout the whole book. I mean, it follows his life from birth all the way up to the very end of his life. And uh, I want everybody to understand something this morning. Jesus is coming back. (laughs) He's returning. I, uh, I went and asked Leah if I was getting my story correct, because this is so many years ago that uh, my daughter told us one morning when she woke up, she came to us and she said, I had a dream about Jesus last night. And I said, wow, you know, what was the dream? And, and tell us about it. And she said, well, and at first I'm, I'm thinking, did, did she kind of get this from just hearing this in children's church or hearing us talk about it? And she said he was so brilliant white, you couldn't even hardly see him, but his eyes looked like fire. And I said, baby, that's incredible. And I wanted to know. I said, well, where did you see him? She said he was at the mall. (laughs) Wow, Jesus goes to the mall. Who who knew? But in the dream, it's what he told her that woke Leah and I up because Jesus said, get ready. Get ready. And the scripture we're going to look at ties in with Samson from this standpoint We, as the church of Jesus Christ, should have a very, very clear understanding of what God wants us to do in this season, what God requires us to do in this season, because, church, he is getting his bride ready. He is getting his people ready. He is preparing a people that will turn their backs on the things of the world and focus on him. You see at the end of Samson's life, and this is very sad, But you see at the end of Samson's life that he was actually with Delilah and had laid his his head in the lap of Delilah who was trying to destroy him. And my question for us as the church this morning or individually or in our families is have we laid our head in the lap of the enemy 
of an enemy that's trying to destroy us. And you say, how is the enemy trying to destroy us? The, the Bible lays out very, three very clear places that the enemy will try to manipulate and get a foothold into your life. Number one is the flesh. Everybody says the flesh. Do we all understand what the flesh is? Come on. The flesh is that carnal nature that we are born with. Have you noticed that you don't have to teach a little kid how to hide a cookie when they shouldn't be having it, right? You don't have to teach a baby the word no, right? Don't do that. No, I'll do what I want. There's the fleshly, carnal nature of man that we all possess. So the Bible very clearly says that that is one of the ways that the enemy will manipulate and control us. And in Samson's life, you see this. He was more enamored with what he could see and drawn to it than keeping his eyes on what couldn't be seen. And church, it's just stirred up in me these last week, couple weeks, that even though you look around the world and see so much darkness and so much evil, I mean, every week, every, almost every couple days, there's some new tragedy that it, you can't even call it heartbreaking anymore. It's heartrending. And as I said the other night, we have clearly defined ways that we can come against the enemy, but we have to stand up and finally be the army and the soldiers that God wants us to be. We are, I said it Wednesday, but I'll say it again, we're a family of warriors. We are a family that we have the authority of God on the earth to be able to push back against the darkness that we see around us. And we see that there is the flesh that we all deal with that we have to constantly keep under control. That's why fasting is so important. That's why your prayer life is so important. That's why your worship time, not just in here for a period of time on maybe Sundays and Wednesdays and Mondays, but to have a life that is prayerful because it helps us identify fleshly areas that we can put, so to speak, kind of to the cross and crucify them in life. And then the Bible says there's this. There's a world system. Everybody say world system. There is a system in the world that exists that is completely, totally countercultural to God and his kingdom. Here's what I came to tell you this morning on this Memorial Day weekend. There is good and there is evil. Don't let everybody draw a bunch of gray areas in your, in your, in your biblical worldview of the world that well, there's some good in this and there's some. If you peel back the curtain, so to speak, and understand things spiritually, Revelation peels back the curtain. Amen? If you want to know what the book of Revelation does, it's, it's a curtain that is open where you see that the enemy is, is bent on the destruction of people, and especially God's people. Say people in general, yes, he hates everybody because we're made in the image of God. You understand that today. But there is a world system. Why is this important to lay out as we get into this today? Because that's where culture comes from. The world system and its way of doing things. You, give me an example, Pastor. I'll give you a great example. We live in a culture that says, well, if it's not convenient for me to have a child, I'll just go ahead and get rid of it. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a world system that the Bible clearly paints and lays out. You say, well, what's God's antidote for that? God's antidote is that you fall in love with somebody, you get married, and then you start having your children that are loved and raised up in the fear and admonition of God, right? So that's just one small example of a world system that the church has quit standing up against. Is everybody following me? Well, you have the flesh, 
you have a world system where culture comes from. And then thirdly, you have a very real devil and demons. You, you, you may be sitting here and saying, oh, that's just a caricature. It's not real. Listen, there is real evil in this world. Science can't explain it. You, we can't fully comprehend and understand it. But the evil things that you see, I tell you very confidently this morning, where it's generated from is from the enemy, his devil, and his demons, the world culture, and even people's flesh. And in the church, if you look at the life of Samson, he was constantly tempted away from his, his moral absolutes. I said it last week, I said it Wednesday, and I'm going to say it to you again if you've been here all three times. You better have some moral absolutes in your life. You better have a compass that is guiding you in your life towards the things of God and and pointing you towards the way that God wants. So you have the flesh, you have the world system, and you have the devil and his demons. But I came to tell you something on this Memorial Weekend when we honor those who gave themselves and sacrificed for freedom. We have somebody that sacrificed for your freedom, and you can be free from the flesh. You can have a, a paradigm through the study of the word, through getting into prayer, through listening to sermons, through coming to church, by being around like-minded people, you begin to shift your worldview and begin to understand that there is a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. There is a kingdom where the enemy takes men captive to do his will and there's a kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and his people that are rising up in this day much like the days of Elijah and he will send the spirit of Elijah upon the people of God and we will raise up and see victory like we've never seen it before. You say, Pastor, you didn't come this morning to tell me how bad everything is. No, I came to tell you that there's an alarm clock going off in the spirit. Wake up. Wake. If you've got to be like Samson at the end, and he had so much regret. Does anybody else deal with regret sometimes? Amen. I do. Look back. Man, I should have done this different. I should have done that. Certainly, he was, it says he was grinding. In other words, he was treated no better than just a normal animal that would have been pulling a big, a big you know, grinder, grinding grain and things like that. But it, it finally says there at the end, and I love this about God, God is so good and merciful. You didn't walk into a perfect church this morning full of perfect people. We all deal with the flesh. We all get mixed up in our things that God's giving us as moral absolutes. And we certainly have a devil to fight every single day of your life. But I came to tell you this morning, it is a war. If you don't know that you're in a war, that's the first step is to realize you are in a spiritual battle every single day of your life. Does that mean you can't enjoy it? You're like, man, it's Memorial Weekend, Pastor. I don't want to think about this the rest of the weekend. Listen to me. God loves you to enjoy your life. He loves you to enjoy your family. Get out and eat hamburgers and do things that you want to do. But understand, Jessica, the devil wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy all those kids that we just saw walking out of here. He wants to destroy all those kids that are upstairs right now. But I just came to tell you this morning, it is a war. But when you land on the side of Jesus Christ, we understand we are victorious. If we do what the Word of God says. We've become ineffective in the kingdom because we've allowed too much of the flesh to run rampant in our lives, me included. We have quit focusing and learning how we're supposed to view the world around us through the, through the lens of the Word of God. You can identify. It says through use having discerned between good and evil. 
You're given discernment in your own spirit of what is good and evil. And can I tell you, we can all sit here this morning and say that an 18-year-old walking in and shooting fourth graders is evil. But I don't look at the world around me and blame them. I look at the church and see its impotence and see it's, it's, it's grabbing hold of the things of the flesh. Much like Samson, he was anointed, he was appointed, he was given moral absolutes to live by in his life. Why? Because God wanted to use him mightily to destroy the... Think of it as an allegory. The enemies of God were constantly trying to come against the people of God, and God said, okay, I'm going to raise up somebody who's going to have my spirit upon them, and they have to follow these things. Can I tell you, if we would just put the flesh under subjection, if we would get into the Word of God and really see what's going on around, and then we would understand that we are victorious, I'm telling you, it could be the church's finest hour, because the people are looking for answers of what they see in the world, and we have them right in our laps this morning it's right there but what do we do we get fearful right well we can't really make a difference can i tell you i've been just so shaken this week that we are going to see the finest hour of the church but you got to understand how the battle is formed i'm sure carl you just went through basic training you went through advanced infantry training and now you're you're moving into upper levels and different things that you're doing I'm sure they had to tell you who the enemy was and what to do when you confront them. It's no different in the church. But we want to give self-help. I'm not interested in being Oprah or Dr. Phil for you all. At all. I want to give you the weapons that God provided. And it says in the evil day to stand. But we're not standing yet. We're still asleep. So wake up. Everybody say wake up. up. I mean really, a couple of you, wake up. (laughs) A couple of you are already asleep. Come on now, wake up. You guys can get a nap this afternoon. So let's look at 2 Timothy and read that. This was tied in with with Samson. He shook himself. God came on him and he saw the greatest victory. Man, that gives me so much hope for the church. He does. If we would wake up and say, God, once again, if you'll just once again. Church, if if the church in the United States of America just began to really cry out and say, God, I know that I messed up. I know that we've fallen away. I know that we aren't really doing and following you the way that we should, whether that's individually or corporately as the church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America. If we could just shake ourselves and say, God, let's see a victory. I believe God would do it. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Get a little drink of water here while you... We're going to look at verse 1. Look at your neighbor and tell him we're in a fight. We are. We are. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.1. Some of you husband and wives are like, yeah, we really did. On the way here. Lee and I call it intense fellowship to make it sound more spiritual. That was some intense fellowship we had there for a few minutes earlier. Listen to this with your heart this morning. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. 
verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Father, just like Paul wrote to Timothy over 2,000 years ago, we ask you to give us understanding in all things. Father, let this admonition to Timothy and the church he was pastoring, Father, let it find its way into our hearts this morning that would encourage, that would convict, that would bring to a new level of understanding of what you're doing in the earth today. So the Lord, we can say, we will ride with you. (laughs) We will go forward with you. We will be the called out people of God that you've anointed and pointed for such a time as this because we do believe it's the days of Elijah where you're turning the hearts of the children to the parents and the hearts of the parents to the children. Lord, we're asking you to do that through the understanding of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're in a fight, I want to know how I'm going to win, right? That's what I want. I want to know how I win the fight. Here's how you win it according to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 with the dedication of a soldier, the discipline of an athlete, and the diligence of a farmer. So let's think about a soldier for just a second, and not just any soldier. And here's what I felt like God showed me. One of the, one of the greatest hindrances, I think, of the, of the church is that when we come and we give our hearts to the Lord, to the Lord and begin to function in the church, we usually say, okay, what's in, what's in this for me? A soldier doesn't think that way, do they? A soldier says, what's in it for something greater than me? What's in it for this teammate? this person who has my back right beside me. And when Paul is talking about dealing with the dedication of a soldier, I began to think of the Navy SEALs. This is not to disparage our our airborne member here or anything like that. It's just who I've watched on TV because of the documentaries and different things that I've watched over all the years. But the Navy SEALs are dedicated, right? They have an unusual level of dedication because they happen to have some of the hardest training in order to pass along and become a SEAL. The gentleman that was being interviewed in one of the documentaries I was watching one time, is he, he went on, a, I think, 146 combat missions. He later became a SEAL instructor. And his particular class had 143 people go into it and 18 graduate out on the other side. So we have an understanding that when, when the Bible tells us right here in the scripture to have the determination of a soldier, it is a frame of mind that we wake up every single morning with. And again, here your pastor, you, 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 you enjoy your life, your family, raising your kids. But if you have kids and have teenagers and even younger kids, I, this by no means is to scare you. But listen to me, the devil's out to get them. He's absolutely out to get them. So when you wake up in the morning, you kind of have that mentality that, man, I am going to live my life dedicated today to the things of God. So here's one thing that I I realized about them. They had single-minded devotion. As I watched that, that documentary, in other words, they just had a... A single-minded purpose when they entered in. You see, what we've done in the church, and I'm probably guilty of this somewhat, is that we say, okay, come and follow Jesus because he's going to do all of these things for you when the reality is, is he is the only one worthy to be followed. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? 
in the documentary, they had this big area, and you've seen it, I'm sure, if you've watched History Channel and different ones. It's called the grinder, right? It's this area where they would train. In the area that they trained, they put these men through the hardest, most difficult training that you could possibly imagine. And they're out there on this, you know, what they call the grinder, and they meet there every morning. And, and the reason that single-minded devotion is so important when you come to Christ is you have to have a mentality that I am not going to ring out. Because what they would do if they wanted to quit is they could get up at any moment or come from out of the water or come from off the beach they were training in, and all they had to do was just hit that bell a few times, and they could walk off. Can I tell you what the enemy's trying to do to the church in the day that we're living in? He's trying to make everything so dark, difficult, and despondent, and it feels like we can never overcome anything, that we forget that Revelation teaches us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, loving not our lives even unto death. So my point is when Paul said, have the dedication of a soldier, when they went into training, quitting was not an option for them. And when you come to Christ and you begin to follow him and be discipled by him, you have to just go ahead and what? Have a made-up mind. <laughs> Isn't that Philip Craig's and Dean, I think, sang that song? you got to have a made-up mind. I used to love that song. Because it, it told me something about my spiritual life. That Listen, ringing out cannot be an option for you in your spiritual life. You say, what's the devil trying to push you towards? I tell you what he's trying to push you towards. If you've taken the stance that, hey, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith, I'm going to stand against even things that I've been praying against in my family for maybe, maybe months and years and decades, do not ring out because God has victory for you. What is the difference between somebody that made it through training and somebody that didn't? He, the, the training instructor simply said this. He said, look, he said, if we saw somebody get up and head towards that bell, we never, ever tried to stop them because they already had made up their mind to quit. There may be somebody in here, you made up your mind this week or last month, and you're just here just as a last gasp of saying, God, I don't know what you have for me, and I feel like I'm beat up, bruised, and, and pushed around by the world. Can I tell you, all you have to do is make up your mind that as Christians, we do not ring out. <laughs> There's none of that. You have to have the mentality as a soldier, as a warrior of Christ, that there is nothing that I am going to ring out on. Amen? Amen. Number one, how can you have that determination? Here it is. We must understand that quitting is not an option. Everybody say determination. determination. Sounds like Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. You see, when you're given the option to quit, sometimes we tend to take that option. This instructor said, when they interviewed him, they said, well, why didn't you quit? I love this. He said, I had nothing to go back to. Sounds like John 6, verses 66, where Jesus said, are you going to leave me also? And Peter pipes up. I love Peter. He got it right a lot more than he got it wrong, y'all. He said, we don't have anything. You have the words of life. When you have a determination that there's nothing to go back to, it's much like Cortez that came and, and brought his ships and 
landed on the, the beach to, in South America and began to advance. And you know what they did? They burnt the ships. He knew that if he gave his soldiers an option that they may take it. And I came to tell you something this morning. If you've chosen to follow Jesus Christ, you don't have an option but to move forward. So I would rather move forward with a little bit of victory under my belt and seeing some answers to prayer and having God set me on fire and do something for me. Think about this. Peter rang out three times, didn't he? He did. And that last time it says the Lord looked directly at him. And you know the enemy was speaking to everybody that night, right? You know he was, he was condemning and speaking, and he, he, he felt like his master plan was coming to fruition. And I imagine when Jesus looked at him, I'm sure the devil was right there to say, that's him. That's the rock. That's the one you're going to build your... That is the... That? That's your best example of a soldier of, of your kingdom? Sure, Jesus just said under his breath, but I prayed for him. You see, it wasn't how many times Peter rung out and got knocked down, it's how many times did you get back up? Get up! <laughs> Man, I've been knocked down more times than what I could possibly imagine. I get back up and I dust myself off. The devil loves to torment us, doesn't he? Is it just me? Okay. I said something I thought was so foolish at the time when I was a very young Christian. The devil reminds me of it often, especially lately. When I don't see the kind of victory that I want to see in my life in the moment that I want to see it. I said one time, because I'd overcome so much, overcome, and gotten free from so much. I'm sure I was probably feeling my oats in this moment and maybe shouldn't have said it. Listen, the, the enemy's powerful. We don't come to him in our name like we sang about. We come to him in his name because his name is perfect. His name is power. His name is awesome. I told the enemy one time, I said, before you completely take me out, because he had just tempted me and I fell and tempted me and I fell and I felt like I was sliding back into some things that I had conquered a lot of years ago. And I just said it out loud. I said, devil, before you take me completely out, I will tie a bandana around my head and get a knife and hide in the bushes for you. Lately, he's been saying, you still want to fight? You had enough? So I've had to be like Samson and shake myself a little bit. Come on. And get back up. And understand that the word of God tells me that I should have the determination of a soldier. And what he was saying to Timothy there is you no longer live for yourself. You live for that brother or sister beside you in the, in the chair today. And you live for your family. And you live for your country. That the, the moral decay and rot that is on the inside of this country is going to take a move a sovereignly of God. And I've cried out for it for 25 years. And if I have to cry out for 25 years, then my last breath will be God I believe you're going to move and change and see the reclamation of what God desires in our families and our country there is no there is there's no mystery to why we've ended up the way where we've ended up 
None at all. We don't value family, and we put God dead last, if at all. And this church, this church is going to put him first and have the determination of a soldier. So make up your mind and be determined. Number two, and this is important, I love this, the, the Navy SEAL creed. I think if we could adopt a creed as believers when it comes to being a good soldier of Jesus Christ, and here it is, I will never quit. I thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to try harder and be mentally tougher than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get up every time. I draw on every ounce of strength to protect my teammates and accomplish my mission. I am never out of a fight. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not out of the fight. If you don't ring out, if you don't ring out and quit, then he's going to try to knock you out of the fight. He is going to try to get you out of the fight. He's going to try to overcome you in that way. And you are in a fight, amen? Amen. Number three, and I love this too, they have a creed called no man left behind. What does that mean for us spiritually when Paul says be a soldier of Christ? The most successful soldiers are the ones who understand it's not about being the best and besting the other guy. It's about the guys who are trying to get the best out of their fellow teammate. It's a mentality like this. We spiritually at CCC are only as strong as the weakest link. That's the truth. If we're in a war, and we are, you're in a war with your flesh, you're in a war with the world system that is completely opposed to the things of God, you're in a war with Satan and his demons. Pull back the curtain of Revelation and just read that through a few times of what is really going on behind the scenes. But understand as we look at this today that we are only as strong as the weakest link. Then my encouragement today with the determination of a soldier is leave here today determined that you're going to put your flesh into subjection. That you're going to begin to Renew your mind on the word of God so that you can really truly see things the way that they really are. Make a determination today that, yes, even though I stumble and I fall, I'm going to apply myself to spiritual discipline so that I can be stronger than I was yesterday. Here's why. We need you. The church of Jesus Christ needs you to be at the top of your game for what is ahead. If we want to see God do what I believe God wants to do in this community and in the schools in this area, then we need you to be a good soldier. Amen? Amen. The second thing that he talks about is the discipline. Everybody say discipline. Discipline, discipline of an athlete. Verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes to the rules. So the word there, uh, complete, is the word athleo, to compete. It's a verb meaning to contest, to contend, to wrestle, struggle. In other words, it's a a verb that says that I'm going to put forth maximum effort to win. And discipline is not a very popular word in church circles, right? To discipline yourself. But let me ask you this. How many of you can name and understand the disciplines of the Christian faith? You should be able to, and you should be applying these to your life on a regular basis. Here they are. There's the inward disciplines and there's the outward disciplines. Here's the inward disciplines. Meditation. Meditation is the ability to hear God's voice and obey his word. Prayer. Everybody say prayer. 
prayer is so important. It's that prayer is just an interactive conversation with God about what He's doing, and He's inviting you to do it together with Him. Fasting. Everybody say fasting. Fasting is the voluntary denial of something that you want in the moment. Why? It's not fasting to try to to get God to bend his arm to do something. Listen, it's part of what I talked about in the beginning. It's your flesh. When you fast, you're putting your flesh into subjection. That's That's an inward discipline that we can apply to our lives. Study. Study. When you study the word of God systematically... The mind is taking on an order, conforming to the order of whatever you concentrate on. So when you concentrate and focus and study the Word of God, guess what you're doing? You're renewing your mind. And as you renew your mind, then the, the, the works of the enemy, the works of your flesh, and the things the enemy are doing become very clear. Here's the outward discipline. Simplicity. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Simplicity is a discipline in the Christian life. An inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. Solitude. Solitude is just that place where we can be found by God, getting alone with God, shutting the door to all the distractions and all the things of the world. So if Paul is talking about being disciplined like an athlete, these are the type of things that we know from church fathers and history and all throughout the ages. These are some very simple things that you can apply to your life to begin to Get closer to God and become the Christian that he wants you to be. Submission. Submission is a discipline. It's the discipline which frees us to let go of the burden of always needing to get our own way. You ever found that you just like to get your own? We all do. Guess where that originates? Your fallen nature, your carnal nature, your flesh. What does submission do? Submission crucifies that in your life so that you can walk in submission to God and his word and even to one another, right? If in the church we quit caring about who got the accolades or the pat on the back and just serve God with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, we would see this community change, I'd say, within a year. We should never, ever want any credit to go to anybody but the Lord Jesus Christ, period. Spiritual discipline of submission crucifies that in our life, in service. And then thirdly, he says this, the diligence. Everybody say diligence. Diligence. I would even say the patience. Everybody say patience. In this moment, that's what I, as I was studying this morning and finishing up and just praying, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, tell him to be patient as a farmer. There's the diligence of a farmer. Has anybody ever... uh, I know you have, but I was raised in a farming community. I mean, everywhere we drove was rows of soybeans or cornfields. It was There was acres behind my house and an old farmhouse my best friend lived in with a bunch of barns. So, I mean, this right here probably hits home to me more than any of the other examples. I've never been a soldier, even though we honor those who have fallen today. And on Veterans Day, all those who served, we, we honor those who have given that sacrifice. And I've never necessarily been a soldier. And I'm probably one of the best athletes in this room, so I can relate to that. I mean, you can just, you can just look up here and say, he's got high-level athlete. Just, I see it, Pastor. We see that in you. But in reality, I was like the last one picked for the kickball team. I just, I don't, I just was. I, I'm, I told you all this story, but it was the truth. I got picked over a kid who had broken his leg. 
or he got picked over me, rather. How does that happen? It's like, are they going to push him up and swing his leg for him to kick the ball? It's like, ah, we'll take Jason again. So I can't really relate as much to even the athletic, even though we understand the principle. You have to have the dedication of a soldier. You have to understand. Paul was telling Timothy so clearly, listen, man, you're in a fight. And that didn't go away 2,000 years ago. We are still in a fight for our faith. We're still in a fight for our country. We're still in a fight for our family. We're still in that fight. And in church, people are not the problem. It's Satan. And it's our flesh. It's our disobedience to the things and the moral absolutes that God laid out very clearly for us that we've deviated from and we need to get back to. And an athlete, somebody who disciplines themselves to be a high-level athlete should be no different for the Christian. We should have that level of seriousness about our relationship with God. But it's the farmer that I can understand and relate to because I would watch these awesome farmers. And the, the fields that were done around my house was done by a very small farm, the ones across the road where I used to run around and float in creeks and ride four-wheelers. It was owned by one of my other best friends. It was thousands of acres, so... You couldn't farm that the way I saw the farmer right there behind my house farm. This was done with the big machines and huge silos. I mean, they would literally bring in tens of thousands of bushels of corn and soybeans. So it was a large, large operation. But I noticed the farmer behind me, when he put that seed in the ground, I want you to listen to me. When he put that seed in the ground, he had a level of faith that rain was going to fall. The farmer across the road used to bring in and he would irrigate. He'd go down into the Scioto River and irrigate up. And, and water his fields with something, another source if it didn't rain. But the farmer was just farming those few probably 50, 60, 100 acres around my house and behind there. He had to have a level of faith of when he put that seed in the ground that God was going to provide the rain and God was going to help make it grow and it was going to come to a place of fruitfulness. And what I want to encourage some of you here this morning with is you've planted that seed. You've put that seed in the ground in faith. And you're disappointed because it hasn't come to a place of fruitfulness that you thought it would come to in the place that you're in. Can I encourage you this morning? God is faithful. It says we will reap if we don't lose heart. So it's not only the dedication of a farmer or the the diligence and the perseverance of a farmer, but today as we look at Timothy and what he said, It's understanding the very simple concept that when we plan in faith, fully expecting God to answer, God is going to answer. God is going to come through for us. God is going to to be able to, to bring us to that place where we understand these three things in the days we're living in. If we can have the determination of a soldier wake up every morning and understand it's a blessed life, enjoy life, Enjoy your relationships. Enjoy those meals. Do all those kind of things. I guess I'm saying all that so I don't feel guilty about being on a boat this afternoon. Yeah. I'm not going to be praying, right? I'm going to be enjoying myself these next couple of days. Life is such so full of blessings. But it takes certain times where we have to step back and understand that God did not put you here just to go through life and collect more stuff. He didn't. Sometimes we think that. I mean, that flies in the face of the whole, you know, if I just believe hard enough, that BMW is going to show up in my driveway. Right? 
that's not the Christian life that I see laid out in Scripture. It's, it's plain as the nose on your face right there from what we just read. Listen, you're a soldier. Soldiers wake up and they have one, one thing on their mind, defeating the enemy. You should have one thing on your mind when you wake up. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Help me today to defeat anything in my life that would come between you and I. And the farmer, the farmer plants with a full expectation that he's going to see it come back full circle. Tam, if you'd come. We have communion this morning together. Amen. I love every fifth Sunday, those, those months we have fifth Sunday, we come together and do communion. And today I want it to be maybe a little bit different. From the standpoint of here's what it is always. And we'll, Lee, if you go get the youth, perhaps, we talked about. As the gentlemen get ready back there to pass out the elements, it's always as Jesus gave us the sacrament. And this is a sacrament. So we're going to take a few minutes as she plays and just even begin now to examine our hearts. Just say, Lord, if there be anything, you didn't walk in here perfect and you won't walk out perfect. You say, Pastor, you've been teaching on Galatians about how God saved us based on nothing of ourselves. It's all through faith and grace. Amen. And then the last two services, you've been talking to us about getting right with him and following what he's telling us to do in his word and obedience to him. Listen to me. It's it's hand in glove. When you come to faith in Jesus and you have a a revelation of everything he's really done for you, I can't help but give my life to him and obey him like a soldier, be diligent like a farmer, to press into the disciplines of Christ, and to be everything that he's calling me to be. So it's a sacrament where he said this, do this in remembrance of me. We should always be in remembrance of everything Jesus has done for us. He's saved you. He's rescued you. He's brought you out of a miry pit and set your feet upon a rock, a foundation that is his name and his word. He's done so much for us that it's these times that we reflect on this. But also in the way that a farmer sows something. Today's communion, I felt as I prayed this morning as I was preparing in my office and just said, Lord, we're going to have communion at the end. Direct me and show me and kind of lead me and guide me. Here's what I began to see in relationship to a farmer is the things that you've been asking God for, I want this communion to be just a special connection of faith for you, a special connection. In in this in particular, some of you have been crying out for healing for something in your physical bodies for a very long time. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said there's going to be healing in his wings today as we take communion. There's, there's going to be an overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. There's going to be the Lord will begin to come upon you, and there's going to be healing in that because his blood was provided not just for your salvation but for everything in life. Everything is provided. Every promise is yes and amen. So we celebrate the covenant. Guys, you can go ahead and come and start passing out the elements if you would, please. This is a celebration of covenant. Covenant is a contract. And we fell so short in filling our end of the contract with God, he made it by his own name. Amen? And I'm thankful for that this morning. Thank you, brother. As you're opening that and preparing in just a moment to partake, 
2 Timothy 2, verses 11 through 13 say this, If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I'm thankful for his faithfulness today. Amen. I'm reminded of this, and this this blesses my heart as I think about it as you as they continue to finish up. We have a blessed hope, amen. The blessed hope is Jesus and what He paid for us to live in now, the reality of the kingdom of Christ, and what He's gone to prepare for us. He told him on that night that he was betrayed that he would not partake of this until it was fulfilled in his kingdom. We do this in remembrance of his goodness. We do this in remembrance of the covenant. We do this in remembrance. But there will be a day, church, where we will all gather together in heaven around the throne with our loved ones and those who have gone on before us. And it says we will celebrate together. And Jesus will lead us in that communion. Amen. Lord God, we stop in this moment and we bow our hearts and we bow our heads. And Lord God, we ask you to examine us. We ask you in this moment to reveal anything. You're so good. You're so merciful. You're so loving. And you're so kind that you're good to be able to show us areas of our life where our flesh has gotten out of control, areas of our life where we've forgotten and ignored that we are called to be soldiers of Jesus, not fighting with weapons that are carnal, but fighting with the weapons of love, the weapons of evangelism, the weapon of prayer, the sword of the Spirit. You've called us into the kingdom for such a time as this. So, Lord, today as we partake of communion, show us those areas where we've just allowed ourselves to get lax, where we've allowed ourselves to to not obey your word. And today, Father, we take it seriously and we repent. Turn away. Put our hearts focused back on you and your kingdom. On the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. Lord, I thank you for the broken body of Jesus. Father, thank you that you sent your son that even though life may break us, we know that he has overcome the world. The body that was whipped, the body that was scourged, the the crown of thorns that was put upon his head, we remember right now in this moment. Everything that was done and everything that you went through, Lord, so that we can partake of this body and be the body. And I pray today, Father, that this body would come together in a greater level of unity than it ever has before. That, Lord, there is supernaturally here the psalm that says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. 
So, Lord, as we partake of your body, let it be life. Let it heal relationships. And let it be healing to our soul and our body and our spirit, Father. You might partake of the body. And then, Lord, you took the cup and you blessed it. Father, we bless every cup and the representation it is right now in this moment and what it means. This cup represented your incredible, awesome blood. Father, we remember the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, this day. That your blood washes away the old and it makes new life come. That your blood brings healing. Father, I pray over physical bodies in this room right now in obedience to what you already told me that you would overshadow and you would hover in this room to perform your word through the obedience of us remembering what you have already paid for today. God, I thank you for healing. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you for unity. I thank you, and we thank you corporately today as we remember, God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus, that it washes away everything. It brings wholeness to our soul. It brings peace to our minds. It brings health to our bodies. So, Father, as we partake of this, I believe that those who are struggling with even, Father, anything from a headache, all the way up to something major. And Lord, I remember our dear brother that's here in this church that found out physically that he has many challenges ahead. Father, we just pray for him right now in the name of Jesus and believe for healing for him right there where he is in the hospital room. Strengthen his family today, Lord, and bless them. Lord, we remember your goodness. We remember the covenant. And today, Lord God, We remember the blood of Jesus for the remission and the taking away of our sin. You might partake of the cup. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Stand with me today. Bow your heads for just a moment. I want to ask this question. You came in and you know perhaps that you're drifted far away from the Lord or you've never committed your life to him. You've never made that decision. And it is. It's a decision to follow him, to repent of your sin, to ask God to forgive you and to ask God to begin to lead you every single day of your life. Do we have anybody here that says, hey, I just I, I want to come back to him or I want to come to him for the first time? Would you just shoot your hand up so we can pray together? Anybody? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit always amazes me because he brought you here. There, you're not here by accident. Those who just raised your hand, I want to tell you this. You are not here by accident. The Holy Spirit drew you here. To hear me tell you this, that when you make a commitment to him, take up your cross and follow him every single day of your life. 
but I want to share the beauty of Jesus with you, that even when we fall and the cross falls on top of us, he'll pick you back up and he'll help you carry it. He's good, and he wants to forgive you today. So those who raise your hand, we're all going to pray this together. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and it says you can begin to follow him in newness of life. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today understanding that I am a sinner and I've turned my back upon you. I turn around and I ask you, Father, to forgive me, to wash me clean, to give me strength, to fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can walk in obedience to your word, to your kingdom. I believe that you are Lord, that you came to save me, that you rose again, and that you're coming back. Wash me clean, fill my heart, change my life, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Let me bless you before I dismiss. Father, I bless Christian Center Church. Father, I pray they would be blessed going in and blessed going out. They would be blessed in their homes and they would be blessed at work, that everything they put their hand to would have the touch of heaven and the blessing of God upon it. Lord, I pray that you would turn your face towards us and that you would make your face shine upon us and you would give each person in this room supernatural peace, protection, And help us have perseverance in the days that we're living in, God, that we are in your kingdom and we are called for such a time as this, Lord. Father, may each one go with the blessings. Many, Lord, who are traveling near and far and enjoying the many blessings that you provided us with, Father, today. And many families, Lord, who have had to pay the ultimate price with a family member given for our freedom. We remember them today and we ask you to strengthen them, to bless them, and to be with them. Father, this weekend, when we as a country honor those who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we can live in peace and freedom, God, we thank you for it. And God, I bless the people of God today here at Christian Center Church. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed today. Amen.